Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, and we are here to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Today's episode is a fun one because we are about to hit 2020. Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Is it? Is it really? It's New Year's Eve tomorrow, so I guess the day after tomorrow. So technically, yeah, tomorrow we welcome 2020, and that isn't just a new year. It's a new decade. Yeah. It's crazy. I yeah. honestly, I'm guilty of like this happens to me every year. We approach New Year's and I'm like really busy trying to be all productive and then boom, New Year's hits and I haven't like taken time to reflect and think. Yeah. Today, I was on Instagram and somebody that I follow did a little decade in review of their life. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, "Dang, it's not just a year ending, it's a decade ending. The 2010s are coming yeah. to a close. Yeah. So I kind of paused everything and said, we need to like, th- this would be a very, very profitable conversation. A very important one too, like 10 years. Not only is it just 10 years, but I think for us to think about our life, mm-hmm. um, our life as a family, as a couple, as members of a community, a church community, it's a yeah. huge decade. It's yeah. the decade that has defined us. So what we wanted to do is pause and talk about just the review of the last 10 years, what happened out in the culture, out out in the world around us, and then just kind of bring it home and talk about some of the stuff that uh, happened in our lives and changes, growth, development, things we've learned. So are you ready, babe? Yeah, 10 years is a long time. 10 years back, back to 2010. I remember in high school we did this project in history class where we each took a decade and had to overview just basic events, styles, you know, music. And it just, from starting from the 1900s up to the 1990s. And we yeah. each took a decade. And, and I thought, well, 10 years, what is that? If you look over 100 years. But when you look at it in your own life, that's a massive amount of time. Well, and for us, I think it's a particular decade of shift and change. Oh, and yeah. not only for us, I think for our whole generation. Yeah. As for I was sure. doing research this morning on this, uh, it is a massive decade for our whole generation, for the millennials, but also for everyone else behind and ahead. Um, massive cultural shifts. So, first thing that I wanted to start it off with is Instagram started yeah. in October 2010. Yep. The interesting thing is the same thing that started in October 2010 was my very first blog. Yeah, I, I I back in the when Blogspot existed, <laughs> that's uh, I started blogging. That was my thing, and I thought I was pretty late to the game back then. Although, blogging really took off in the years after. Yeah. Um, it's kind of declined since then. Yeah, it has. But there was a peak. Yeah, so Instagram uh, started exactly ten years ago, and that's crazy. That has like I don't think I got it when world. it first started. No, I think, you didn't. Yeah, because 10 years ago, I was 16 years old. Yeah, you like, didn't even have a phone back then. I didn't have a phone. So yeah, two years into Instagram, I got a phone. And I, I, got, I got Instagram in 2012. So I, but um, the interesting thing is that out of our little community of friends, I was the one that's like breaking into the social media world before other people were. And it was kind it was of a bit scandalous to use social media back in the day. Yeah, we we were raised in a very 
fundamentalist, traditionalist, whatever. I, we were just in a small church context. Where well, for everyone, culturally, it was kind of like, oh. Suspicious. It was this new wave that people were like, what is this new thing? How is yeah. it going to change us, affect us? Probably not a, in a good way. So maybe stay away from it. There was this cautiousness about it. Well, and that's, so 2010 is when I started uh, my blog. It's 2010 is when I joined Facebook. Wow. So, and none of you guys had Facebook. I was the, I was the, the trailblazing youth leader. Was I like a youth leader back then? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I was, it was, I was 19. Yeah. So I'm 29 now. I was 19. So big year. Social media revolutionized. I, I feel like, so Facebook existed before 2010 and there was a lot of people on Facebook, but it was a growing thing. Yeah. Since 2010 onward, social media really took off. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until after 2010. Instagram exploded and it continues to just grow like crazy, right? Yeah. Snapchat uh, came on board 2011. But wow. Yeah, 2011 it didn't is get when big Snapchat. For a while. Yeah, Snapchat Nobody was. used it for a while. Yeah. Vine came and went. Yep. Um, and now TikTok, which is like, actually TikTok started in 2015, but didn't really take off until the last couple of years, right? I'm still not exactly sure what TikTok is. Yeah. I'm. Neither am I. I think it's for the young people. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're... We only use Instagram and Facebook and some people use Twitter. Um, yeah. So social media changed the world and that happened in the last 10 years. It changes the way people perceive themselves, the way we think about ourselves, insane stuff. So just a side note, all of our reviews of the decade might be a little different. So this is ours. There's no way to capture everything, but here's some some of the highlights. Social media mm -hmm. is massive, I think. Um, the Avengers. Uh, the Avengers. The Avengers. That's a big deal. 2012. Is it a big deal? The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Still wondering if that's a big deal. Yeah, well. I guess to the world it is. Yeah. Uh, streaming also almost kind of replaced TV. Yeah. So that happened in the last, in this decade. In the last 10 years, so yeah. Streaming like revolutionized television, TV shows. It's made know. life easier. You don't have to go to Blockbuster to rent. Well, and the amount of shows that are made these days yeah. in the past 10 years, it's just exploded. How much yeah. more people watch TV because it's so much easier and how much better it's gotten and how much more shiny and attractive and how much easier it is to binge the concept of binging right this is this is a thing of these past, the last 10 past, years probably yeah, i decade. remember netflix was a thing you order and they it comes with used a to be DVDs. selected amount yeah. of movies like my friend my friend's mom would say oh we got the netflix thing so what do you guys want to see out of these selections yeah. and it was like maybe 10 or 12 and that was i was very young with when that happened yeah so now it's completely changed yeah, so um, another thing that's really taken off in the last few years is podcasting. It came back. Nobody, it, this, actually podcasting is a, podcasting has been around forever, but the fact that it erupted in the last 10 years is, well, actually more Probably like the last five years. Probably last five years, yeah. Um, is uh, kind of a surprise because people are um, looking for more of an intimate connection with ideas and people and thinking through as we commute as we're we're also very mobile culture so we're commuting we're driving to our work and places and we're trying um, to maximize the things we get done while we're on them on the go yeah which is interesting to think with the boom of social media podcasting 
almost came hand in hand because with all this maybe shallow connection, people want a deeper sense of right. feeling like they're thinking on de- on deeper levels and yeah. podcasting gives you that. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's that re uh, kind of a re- reflex of like, I want something, a deeper connection to people and ideas. Right. And, you know, that's, it's interesting how we've, we've seen like deeper curiosity, um, return to big, big questions, even in, in the church and Christianity, theology, mm-hmm. uh, hit church history have, you know, have made a huge comeback, biblical interpretation and understanding the Bible better. So, yeah. um, Part of like how the culture is evolving in its ability to consume, and and you see like it goes from one extreme to another, extremely visual. One thing that didn't happen, they thought would happen in the last ten years, is more, uh, like remember the I don't know if you ever heard about Google Glass. It was this thing that was, in the last ten years, they thought it was going to go big. It was like glasses that you put I on and Google like talks to you or something. Yeah. They thought that was going to be a big thing, yeah. and it never happened. Yep. So we have yet to see. We have um, we have it in the form of our phones. We don't need it on our eyes. Yeah. Our eyes are already glued to the screen of our phones. It's basically yeah. the same. So in politics, uh, the world has changed a lot um, because we have become a lot more polarized. So like this, in the last ten years, if if it felt like people were divided ten years ago, like I I scrolled through. So what you can do on Facebook is you can turn your story timeline or your your timeline settings from list to t- tile. So it'll it instead of like listing everything, so mm-hmm. you have to scroll through every post you ever did. Mm-hmm. It does tiles, so oh. you can scroll faster. So what I just did right now before this is I scrolled through all ten years of my Facebook, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting to see that like if you felt like things were a little divided 10 years ago. Today, it's like people are at each other's throats. Like our culture has become so much more violently polarized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lot more extreme. And so in these in this past 10 years, we've gone from the Obama era to the Trump era. And in this time, things have just seems to like the left has gotten lefter and the right has, you know, tried to maintain you know it's it's identity but um living in a world that is just way more charged yeah um you being able to share your perspective at work uh people getting offended way more easily oh yeah um, we, we're just on our tippy toes when we're around strangers in public spaces and how we articulate ourselves because it seems like conflict is around the corner you know lurking under every word and phrase yeah uh we killed bin laden so that's another thing isis Mm-hmm. ISIS came up Wasn't it and uh, existent before. Yeah, but ISIS really came surging forward in like 2014 ish. Wow. Okay. So, um, same-sex marriage is legalized in 2015. Wow. So that's another huge step in developing. So that's I think part of that feeds into political polarization because people of a secular perspective, um, uh, the are pushing for progress a lot more viciously right in the world around us yeah um so the other interesting thing that i came across so usa today has this article where they so all the different like news websites have different decade and reviews and one of the things that usa today does did is they they chronicled the word of the year you know how like yeah yeah webster dictionary has a word of the year yes so you can kind of get a sense of so 2010 word of the year is austerity which i don't know why austerity is the state of quality of being stern 
Hmm. Okay. Pragmatic is 2011. That's the word of the year. 2012, the word of the year is socialism. Um, 2014, the word of the year is uh, science. Uh, 2014, the word of the year was culture. And it's interesting because the progression. A lot of, yeah, and, so and a lot of these words we're, we incorporate in a lot of discussion, even yeah. here at the Congo oh, yeah. podca- podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, 2015, it was a noun, and that is ism. So communism, Marxism, okay. uh, fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. And, and the description of that is it's a noun, an oppressive and especially discriminatory attitude or belief, an ism. Right. Which is like, is that necessarily, are all isms oppressive? I don't know. But that seems to be a very narrow definition. Mm-hmm. 2016, the word is surreal, marked by an intense irrationality, irrational reality of a dream. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. 2017, word of the year is feminism. Of course. 2018, word of the year is justice. 2019, word of the year is they. Yeah, you see that progression like, and that just defines yeah. our culture. That is so interesting. Um, another big piece, I think, is Me Too in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, last so, few years recently. So the, the culture that we live in is, um, on the one hand destroying itself right in in its ability desire to redefine everything you know we don't know what a man or woman is anymore children are being felt you know given um hormone pills to alter their because because a a six-year-old says he feels like a girl and we're giving him pills to permanently mark his body like there's like this destruction and Mm -hmm. then there's like this self-righteousness in certain areas now Obviously, because of a God's image built into us, man always has, or humanity always has a sense of right and wrong. So we're always running away from right and wrong, mm-hmm. but we're always trying to establish right and wrong at the same time. Yeah. You know, and so you see that, I think, in the race race stuff. Yeah. And in the Me Too. Like... Just generally, there's been a big uprising of um, any justice. oppressed people, you know, women... Uh, minorities and all the people in society who either count themselves or who society has counted as oppressed um, a lot of the time though there are mistakes made there are a lot of people who use God's name in the Bible in oppressive ways and there's there is conversation to be had there right Uh, this this radical turning away from anything Christian in our country um, they're denying the most fundamental like human rights come from an understanding of biblical worldview, all that right. all that this country stands on. Um, when you turn away from that and reject that, you're rejecting a lot of good, the, a lot of foundational things that I think people are just they don't want to take the time, they don't want to be careful, they just want to jump from one ditch to the other because they well, hate the ditch that the country has been in. And yeah, yeah, the past is not perfect. That's not the point. The point is just that we are trying. We, our culture today is caught in a very a hypocritical moment uh, which is trying to rewrite itself without uh, without admitting the truth of any past idea um, and you know you you see so this there was this article I reshared on Facebook a couple weeks ago um, where this like neuro ne- uh, is it, I think a psychologist or somebody is is writing from an atheist perspective that atheist 
So an atheist worldview leads people to a higher chance of depression mm -hmm. and mental illness and all these problems in life, right? Mm -hmm. So um, people with a religious perspective, people who believe in God, in truth, in justice, externally from them, tend to have a healthier soul and heart mm -hmm. and mind. So what this uh, psychologist is saying, okay, so what do secular parents do? Mm -hmm. He basically said, he says, literally, he says, lie. Lie to your kids mm -hmm. about... The, just tell them there is a God, yeah. even though you know there isn't. So right. if your worldview is leading you to say, okay, we are going to incorporate lies to prop up this idea, mm -hmm. this is the most obvious expression of the fact that your worldview is bankrupt. Yep. You are saying, okay, let's just lie. We're going to keep lying to keep this thing afloat. Mm -hmm. Why are you keeping it afloat if you have to lie? Mm-hmm like don't don't you see the blinking light you know yeah. anyways so the world around us is doing crazy stuff and it's it's also amazing to see you know god's hand in 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 history and as christians we believe he's sovereign we have hope always no matter how difficult things are but before we move on culture i want to look at time of the year so person of the year for time magazine so right, yeah. the word of the year is another one person of the year so 2010 it was mark zuckerberg um 2011, it was the protester. Mm -hmm. So it's a picture of like a, a female protester in the Middle East. Um, 2012, Obama. Mm -hmm. 2013, Pope Francis. 2014, the Ebola fighters. Um, 2015, Angela Merkel. And I, I have to admit, I don't know who she is. I missed that. Yeah. I think I was in nursing school. So I was <laughs> unplugged from reality. Yeah. 2016, Donald Trump. Was that when he started running? Yeah. Okay. That's when he ran, I think, for office mm -hmm. four years ago. So, yeah, he's he, this is his four-year term. Right, okay. Uh, 2017, and it's titled The Silence Breakers, and it's like a, a, a bunch People of... People who started the Me Too movement, probably. Yes, so yeah. I recognize Taylor Swift and some an actress lady that I don't know what her name is, and basically people who started the Me Too movement. 2018 is the guardians mm -hmm. and 2019 is greta thunberg the child the child change activist the child prophet so it's been a crazy crazy decade so many things to say but in our lives i think um it's been a very amazing decade to see god clearly working in many areas of life we were just sitting here thinking about it before and we realize it's kind of the decade that made us. Yeah. What do we mean by that? It's just the decade that uh, we we went from children to adults, parents, uh, spouses. It's, it's the biggest change of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, there's not going to be another time where we're going to have such dramatic entering into something else mm -hmm. from a different season into the next. From now on, it's going to be adulthood, more and more of adulthood and different speeds of that but mm -hmm. um it's just well, the biggest growth the biggest change the biggest um decisions that kind of propel you into the rest of how your life will go yeah well and before so it includes for me for both of us we got married seven years ago so three years before we got married you know this decade includes even before marriage i think for us as individuals as a as a community of young people growing up here in the bellingham area um, going to college, getting connected to our community, uh, growing as followers of Christ, 
this has been the decade where we have worked through this challenge of figuring out what does it mean to be a Christian in my own words, you know, right? having to, in many ways, reconstruct the faith. Now, this is not trying to throw shade on growing up in a, you know, in a Russian Christian context where we grew up in a traditional kind of church at all. But um, I am super grateful for being raised in a Christian home, being raised by parents who I never doubted their Christianity. Yeah. Um, real people who believed in Christ, who showed me what faith, what faith looks like, what prayer looks like. They gave us the foundations for what, what yeah. is Christianity. And not to mention the fact that they got us here to, to a completely different country, a completely different culture, a world that they in many ways don't understand. And financially, they brought us into this place. Mm-hmm. But this past 10 years is really the 10 years when we have undergone a massive process of asking the questions, what does it mean for us as a generation to be Christians here, here and now. in this world yeah. today? What does it mean for us to believe in Jesus as we go to college, as we pursue careers, as we build families? Integrate in this we... culture that is so different from what our parents grew up. Right. And how do we even explain to our parents what we are doing? Because right. for generations, all that they were doing is repeating what their parents' generations have been doing right. in the same country in almost the same way. Of course, there was changes. But right. now all of, a, all of a sudden, it's a n- new world and their children are doing and living and trying to figure out a, a whole new life. Right. And for us, that meant entering the world of a, a conversation that has existed for the past 2,000 years in Christianity. That For us, that's meant um, connecting to sources of teaching and understanding the Bible, which take the Bible as a book as of supreme authority. Yeah. A book that must be understood in its historical, in its uh, linguistic con- context, in its cultural context, to really understand the authority of the Bible and the process of studying the Bible. So for and us, that was I think, new. That was new for yeah. our parents and how we were raised. Yeah, They had a love for the Bible, a respect for it, but the way we turned the stones up and right. asked all the questions that they never really asked right changed a lot of how they and we went forward from then yeah so this like names uh, some names of you know people so this is within like the reformed evangelical world that have influenced us and this this uh, um the reformed evangelical context is part of a movement that is um taking seriously it's what it means to be protestant so first of all back to the protestant reformation but before the protestant reformation even understanding that calvin luther and all the protestant reformers they weren't doing anything new they were just rediscovering historic christian beliefs that came before um the corruption of the papacy and christianity in the 13 1400s so looking back to augustine looking back to the church fathers so really the the young restless reform movement or the the modern reformed resurgence or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um it's it's a rebirth of understanding and value of the supremacy of the bible and 
biblical theology throughout history as it's developed, entering a conversation that's existed for 2,000 years, right. rather than living a Christianity that is so obsessed with uh, cultural fads mm -hmm. and what the world around us wants and tailoring to that mm -hmm. and, you know, the mega church culture of the last 20 years, mm -hmm. which, which seeks to really uh, have a consumer mindset to Christianity, looking at what people want and giving it to them, you know? Yeah. So MacArthur, Piper, um, Al Mohler, R.C. Sproul, um, any other names you want to throw in there? Kevin DeYoung, D.A. Carson. Paul Washer. Paul Washer. In our Russian circles, Kalamitsev. Yeah, Alexei, Pastor Alexei Kalamitsev. Kalamitsev. He, he broke through the wall and let the water into the Russian world for many of us. Yeah. Um, so this movement has been huge for us. Oh, yeah. And so for me personally, you know, I'm pulling away just the massive importance of biblical theology. Um, of course, it is possible to have all your theology all, all lined up and yet be dry and dusty and unloving as a mm -hmm. Christian. That is possible. But it doesn't matter if, if um, there are examples of people who have all their good theology, but they're not living the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Your theology, your worldview, your view of life, your view of God, that is the foundation of everything. Yeah. That you feel, that you experience, that you walk by faith, like everything, you know? Even today, more and more, I'm coming back to like, dang, like, without digging our roots back to theology and understanding the Bible in its depth and beauty and profundity and asking deep questions and wrestling mm -hmm. and, and entering a historic conversation, reading the voices of the past, mm -hmm. Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, um, learning from them, realizing, man, how much they've already contributed. Like this conviction has been burned in us. From, from a very young age, from the first times we started doing little Bible studies together, um, you know, guys who are just a five, six years older than us were drinking from these sources and then saying to our 13-year-old minds, saying, the Bible has authority. Bring everything back to the Bible. Right. That was that was just burned into my mind. And that was right. the foundation for examining all, all truths, all voices. You know, how does it compare to the authority of the Bible? And... Um, not just what I was taught, not tradition, but the actual scripture, what the text is saying in the original languages, in its context, in its cultural um, relevance of mm -hmm. the day that it was written. So that was a huge thing for us, I think. Everything started with Bible study for us. Yeah. Learning that was to, the origin of it. Yeah. Learning to ask questions of the text and realizing that the, the text is authoritative, that... I must understand the world of the text of scripture. And then and as I enter that world, re-enter my own world through that perspective. And through that, through studying the word, then we built loyalties to the people who we saw doing that right. faithfully. It Teachers, wasn't that yeah. someone said this is a good author or this is a good preacher, so we just ate up all their sermons and then decided that what they're saying, I think we saw in the you know dissecting each word of the right. context in our little groups at church then seeing the men who are doing that faithfully for years for 30 years these seasoned pastors then we grew having loyalties to them because mm -hmm. they did it well and i think sometimes it's hard to see that maybe because yeah, they're like not, oh you just you, you just were, follow macarthur or piper or whatever and they had a massive influence on us for sure their sermons impacted me in a way that other people didn't 
but it that was the process it wasn't yeah. so much their voices than the bible it was through the bible seeing right faithful men doing it well and the reformed evangelical world that's one of its characteristics it's not defined by the people it's defined by the values right so i've watched in the past 10 years people come and go out of this world including like mark driscoll yeah um it's the set it's of interesting values. interesting to think that they said the origin of this movement, Young Restless Reformed, was a conference. Really, the really pinpoint of where they can see the tracing beginning was a conference, 2006, and Driscoll was part of that with Piper yeah. and Chandler. And um, just, just to think he was in the beginning, but he's yeah. not there anymore. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's about your values. You value scripture. You value theology and doctrine and thinking deeply about God's perspective of reality. And then valuing a historic richness that is handed down to us. Mm -hmm. So what are we spending our lives on? You know, this set us, in the past 10 years, we've spent a lot of time thinking about what does the Bible teach, understanding it, and thinking, look, learning to look at culture through the lens of Scripture. Right. You can't do that, though, if your knowledge of Scripture and biblical theology is two inches deep. Yeah. Like, you just can't. So... Uh, some more sh- voices that shaped my perspective: Francis Schaeffer, C.S. Lewis, John Frame, Wayne Grudem, Joe Rigney. These guys like spoke into me to see the beauty of biblical theology, but then the beauty of how it comes alive in our life, uh, in our creativity, in in everything we do. So theology is huge. Worldview is huge. Mm-hmm. As we continue to build our church community right now, you know, our view of the Bible and of the world. Uh, it's one of the central values. We continue to unpack the richness of Scripture, and from there, let that story guide us. What does it mean to be Christians today? You know, yeah. um, that connects us to our view of um, what does it mean to be in a real church community. So yeah. I, I feel like this last, especially the last five years. So Living Word Bible Church got started five years ago, about mm-hmm. so kind of the middle of this decade. Mm-hmm. This has been a decade for us where we think a lot about what does it mean to be the church yeah what does it mean to be christians living in community mm-hmm. so like any any big things that jump out at you that you're pulling away like about specifically the church yeah um just the importance of the centrality of the church in the in the gospel the the whole plan of salvation yeah that it's the point that that is why christ came for right. his church the all streams must have then lead to the church um people evangelism personal growth it, you cannot separate Christian life and daily living from the church. And I think seeing that and now having a church where um, seeing you and the men around you f- build it from scratch and all the things and all the things we must consider and figure out what are we going to do from scratch, going back into the scripture, I think um, the fact that it's so central mm-hmm. and and without it, there is nothing you cannot build a christianity right shallow church life shallow christian community leads to fractured at best christianity right yeah i think that um watching the whole you know watching like big churches and mega church world and consumer christianity as we have gone through the stuff we've gone through asking big questions having uh, being in conversation and disagreement with um, 
Christians who have a different view of what it means to be the church, you know. So yeah. for like Russian Christians, we're just gonna stay Russian Christians. That's what it, the, like, our identity is tied to our ethnicity more Rather than it than, is to yeah. the gospel and yeah. its mission. Yep. You know. So yep. like going through all those layers and seasons of challenges and questions mm-hmm. and conversations. Um, what what I've really come to value is just the life of the church itself, the imperfect, messy. Um, genuine life of community, yeah, relationships, Christians discipling Christians, Christians learning to love each other through difficult seasons, mm-hmm. speaking truth into each other's lives, um, taking on life's challenges together, praying for each other, learning scripture together, living out in the community as a, as a witness together. Mm-hmm. You know, like instead of dreaming about what 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 would, what do we want our church to be? You know, instead of dreaming about big buildings and big budgets and big lights and perfect band performances on Sunday or something, mm-hmm. what I've really come to value above all is a community, a people, a people who really feel like a spiritual family. Yeah. And that's a very... The relationships. Yeah. It's a very different kind of goal. Yeah. It's a very different kind of goal than just numbers. Right, because then you look at that in 20 years, you're going to raise your kids, they're going to grow up, and they're going to be in this community. This is the kind this is the kind of church we want to build. And yeah. also something that I've learned about the church is just how much God cares for his church. Yeah. And he builds it. He, he does his own work. And we must trust that because he loves his church. And we can worry and think and calculate and decide but ultimately he leads in his own way and i think just seeing how god has done his work is is the most encouraging thing how people change yeah how people grow who you don't expect how people then those people go and bring other people in who Mm -hmm. get saved it's just a joy god does his work yeah and i've what i've experienced a lot i think is um like going through my seasons in the 20s where I'm trying to figure out the most effective way to help people grow spiritually, get to know Christ, the power of the Bible and all this stuff. And I've gone through a few different seasons, a season where I was mostly in charge of like youth and young adult ministry, youth ministry, Mm -hmm. a season when I did some college stuff on Mm -hmm. campus at Whatcom Community College Mm -hmm. season. And so in all these different seasons, uh, a season when I was really trying to figure out, think through what it means to use technology and blogging and podcasting. Mm-hmm. So all these different seasons where I'm asking the question, how do we help people uh, savor the power of the gospel, experience mm-hmm. Jesus for reals in their life? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I'm coming back to is just real, genuine, messy, imperfect, loving Christian community. Yeah. You know, like you can have like young adults today are like all over the place floating Mm -hmm. around. We want this. We want our young adults crowd. We want like friends who like us. We Mm -hmm. want a cool maybe like group that we're part of at church. We want to be part of a church that has good programs or good Mm -hmm. music or good sermons. And that's all great. But at the end of the day, if you as a Christian are not woven into the fabric of a real spiritual family where there's people older than you, Mm -hmm. people younger than you people feeding you spiritually, you feeding others spiritually, give and take. People who see when you're gone, people who hold you accountable, people who yeah. will let you slide into sin, Yeah. who will notice when you do. 
if you're living a life apart from that kind of community, um, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And real community takes a lot of work and real community does not yield instant results. It takes yep. patience. It takes you desiring the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot art, you cannot engineer. You know, you can't just have nice lights and a, a perfect band and an amazing preacher come and poof, you got mm -hmm. Christianity. Yeah. Uh, real community takes work, but that's the kind of work that God's doing. It's in the yeah. church. Yeah. Real change happens through the church, through community in the church. And I've just like come to like value that so much more yeah. and be excited for the ordinary stuff of week to week life in the church. Yeah. Men's breakfasts, you know, Sunday worship, the retreats routine of Sunday worship, every year. retreats, ordinary, Camps. you know, our, our, our young adults group, whatever on Thursdays, like just the ordinary mundane hum mm -hmm. routine of spiritual life together mm -hmm. is the most beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's the most powerful, transforming thing. Yeah. Uh, family. What have we learned about family? A lot. I mean, a how lot. Can you... We got married and became parents. That, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. I feel like we kind of discussed a lot of that in the marriage episode or what we learned. Yeah. So we'll be dropping an episode on our reflection on seven years of marriage in a, in, in a week or so. So you guys should keep an eye out for that. But I think just highlights. Like um, for myself personally... Um, and this is maybe also to like young people who are not married, you know, you think that the most amazing things in your life are going to be accomplished through visible results, your career, uh, your finances, you know, your, your traveling, whatever. But the most powerful and amazing stuff that happens is again, like we just said, through real relationships and God created the family. Yeah. So like the building our family over the last seven years has been the biggest school of my faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, you learn what a sinner you are. You mm -hmm. learn how much you need Christ and grace every day. Mm -hmm. um, you learn how powerless you are to change your kids' hearts. Yeah. You know, um, and you learn that despite all the stuff we're trying to get done out there in the world, you know, build careers and build the church and all these things, like the most beautiful thing you can have is a home where you have real relationships yeah. in Christ. Yeah. Um, it's not about the perfect home. It's not about the perfect family, perfect mm -hmm. Instagram life. Mm -hmm. It's about, it, real family is messy, difficult, painful, right? Yeah. Vulnerable. But in that world, rough and tumble of everyday life and seeing the gospel at work every day, seeing that it is real, Jesus is real, coming home to this place where we all draw our common juice from Christ, mm -hmm. it's the most amazing thing. And you become the most realist version of yourself through yeah. family, through the sacrifice, through the pain, through God um, humbling you over and over again, seeing your sin, seeing your brokenness, your need for his grace. Um, you have this image when you're young in your head of what kind of marriage you want what kind of kids you want to raise and just the life you want you know like traveling and whatever like whatever you have traveling in your is head, good though but it's great but like um i'm just saying like a lot of us have this idea we're of idealistic how, how our adventurous our life will be or how beautiful our homes will be and you just you just come to this humbling realization that the journey god has you on he is your 
creator. He knows better than you. So all the things that he sends your way that you don't want, all the things that um, you will be tempted to grow bitter about, all the losses you experience or or the gifts he gives that you don't want to receive, um, they're making you, he's making you into more of yourself. And I think that's what family life has taught me mm-hmm. combined with church life, being being in a community for uh, for the long haul um god is making something of you that -hmm. you don't know um Mm -hmm. but if you lean into that it's going to be more beautiful than anything you can muster up of yourself yeah it's the a lot of young people today i think are very idealistic about marriage in their expectations but at the heart of that idealism is an expectation that reality and if it's if it's lived out correctly the good life shouldn't be difficult and that that that's a basic flaw that's a basic assumption jesus says if you want to be my disciple take up your cross and follow me daily die daily. it should be difficult so yeah in the church and in the home mm-hmm. understanding the simple fact the beautiful work of god in your heart happens through difficulty yeah through challenges so uh, me and sam are going to be recording an episode on just pain and struggles in a little bit too but just this expectation, I expect a mess mm-hmm. at home. I expect difficult kids. Mm-hmm. I expect challenging seasons in our relationship, in our marriage. Mm-hmm. I expect imperfect church life. I expect mm-hmm. all that because that, that, is, that is the world Jesus is redeeming. Mm-hmm. Th- those are all the situations that thirst for grace. And that's where you learn to put grace to work, call upon him to work, teach you, guide you, lead you, and you see him work. You know, so the beauty of family is in the hard work, in the imperfection of it, in the struggle. And so. you, and you ought to, I think, speaking to the younger people who might be putting it off, or I know there's a lot of young people who desire it greatly, but it, God has not sent it to them, like family life. But, um, but that's already that's pain too. Yeah, and that's beauty too in its own way, because yeah. God has you exactly where He wants you. But, yeah. um for those who have the opportunity or don't know if they want to enter into that adulthood of marriage and family and even having kids go ahead and have kids it's going to be hard no one's yeah. no one's going to tell you it's going to be easy just do it yeah uh, do it because it's going to be hard it's going to make you um i'm not going to say it's going to make you for sure because a lot of people turn bitter but if you are leading into the grace of god and allowing his work to penetrate your heart is going to make you a better person. Your life is going to be so much more rich. Yeah, embrace uh, the struggle. Embrace the struggle. Commit to a church. You know, get married, have kids, work yeah. hard, uh, build something of your life. It is that is the way of a Christian. Most Christians, uh, the way that God has designed, and it's beautiful, and it's hard, and rewarding, and enriching in yeah. every way possible. Yeah, you have to first be desperate before you can ask for grace. In yeah. faith, yeah. That, that by definition, if you're not desperate, you're never going to ask. You're you're never going to need God's grace. So, so real quick, sketching forward, well, what are we looking forward to in the next decade? We're not we, we can't see ahead, but that's crazy. That's a crazy thought, but I guess one thing I'm looking forward to. I've been so, so I had a blog for ten years now, and and basically it's all been scribbling. I feel like that's what I would call it. Um, me just writing down scattered thoughts mm-hmm. because that's how I think. I think by writing. Yeah. 
uh, one thing I'm looking forward to in the next 10 years is doing more real writing, I would say. Yeah. Real, starting to really, starting to put down some of the things that are coming into view. So after these 10 years of reading and studying, um, I am excited to continue to read Mm -hmm. and study. Mm -hmm. And as these things are starting to be clarified, my convictions about following Christ, the church, the world around me, Mm -hmm. I want to start to put it down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think looking towards the next 10 years, it might sound boring, but I guess for me, it's always like everything is worth it every moment so just mm-hmm. a lot of the same a lot of yeah raising my kids Embracing as they grow the beauty of the mundane just a lot of cooking dinners throwing parties year 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 after year uh growing in a relationship with the friends god has placed in my life seeing their lives um blossom into something beautiful i think continuing just to serve the church plan retreats and um all the events that contain church life um, growing as a family, getting more seasoned, reading more books, listening, getting um, more truth in, learning to read my Bible well, more consistently. I think just the basics is more of that mm-hmm. um, is what makes life beautiful and glorious. And I don't. Um, yes, I hope we we get opportunities. You know, maybe to do some traveling or you know work on some really big projects that might help us in certain ways or but the real um mundane things that make life beautiful just more of that Mm -hmm. i think in the next 10 years and it's probably going to look a lot like that because the the midlife you know 30s to 40s is when is when the kids grow up and you lay down you you do a lot of the sowing for your field that then you can reap in your older age yeah the funny thing is I'm born in 1990, so my age patterns the decades. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two th- so 2020, I'm turning 30. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like r- round numbers for the decades and round numbers for me. That I'm makes like, it easy, yeah. It's kind of interesting. But I think connected to that, what I, another thing I'm looking, it's more of the same, but it's becoming more crystallized and clear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having a relationship with my kids. Yeah, They're growing up and talking and reasoning and asking yeah. biblical theological philosophical questions i'm looking forward to that relationship and shaping so their excited. loves and their loyalties yeah, reading, reading to, them. to them and thinking with them and worshiping with them mm-hmm. um just the deepening of that relationship and just yeah. enjoying it yeah you know enjoying yeah. that deepening relationship the other thing connected to that i'm enjoy- i'm looking forward to really feeling that long haul uh sense of relationships in the church as a church, we've existed for, like I said, about five years. And so it's now now that the dust is settling with all the initial construction of what is our church, vision, mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. Um, I It's cool to see, like, over these five years, I'm, you're deepening relationships mm-hmm. with people that you're mm-hmm. growing. And they're growing. Their families are growing. Their lives are growing. And so I want I want to – I'm excited to dig into those relationships, benefit from them myself, mm-hmm. to grow together rather than be running around, you know. Right. To be to be to be uh, drilled into this community for a long haul perspective and to see what we can do together mm-hmm. to make Jesus known in yeah. our community. Yeah. Being a better neighbor 
Yeah. That's one of my goals yeah. because we've been moving around a bit and mm-hmm. we've just we're just growing out of our 20s becoming like adults mm-hmm. and now being more rooted and less hectic mm-hmm. as a young person I can be more rooted in my neighborhood. That's another thing yeah. I'm looking forward to just developing long-term relationships with neighbors and getting to know my world and mm-hmm. putting down deeper roots. Yeah. Another thing that kind of may sound crazy to some people but I feel like I am just now learning to read like after all the years, not learning to read. No, no, no. Let me rephrase that. Establishing habits of yeah. reading yeah. that are like lifelong habits. Yeah. So Also, you're probably looking forward to finishing seminary in the next 10 years. Hopefully that's going to happen. True. <laughs> More education. Yeah. Finishing the MDiv and maybe think about PhD. I don't know. We'll see. You're probably going to be Should in school your whole part? life. Hey, I'm I, kind of okay with that. That's just how you are, and that's fine. Well, education is not in its own thing. It's a tool, and why I think it's valuable, especially for our community, we have no history of people in education, and therefore our institutions are very weak. So education helps give perspective, which helps you build things that last. Mm-hmm. Last, I want, I want to build things that will outlast me. Right. You know, yeah. way outlast. So building church... And, and community institutions around you that impact the world around you long after you're gone. Yeah, raising our kids, our sons to be fathers, good fathers and husbands Yeah, for their families and then for them to raise kids of their own in godliness to honor God and to carry that on. I think that's just the legacy of that. Yeah. It doesn't fall short on one generation. So And and we've this past ten years we've been really focused on ourselves in terms of like untangling ourselves and getting up on our feet. Mm-hmm. And now as we're kind of our convictions are becoming solidified in the Bible, in discipleship, in church community, in mission, we I think this next ten years and many people in our church will probably identify with this. The next ten years is more of like a, a shifting focus of outward so um let's, we were baby let's fawns think, now we're young bucks <laughs> ready to let's, prance let's yeah let's think about the next 10 years 15 years let's think long haul let's think what are we actually accomplishing yeah. with our lives so mm-hmm. i'm excited to be part of that so thank you guys so much for listening we hope that you guys are going to have a wonderful new year's and we will be back again to talk more in the next couple of weeks